Hello, it's Kirsty here. For this week's podcast, we're reporting on a fast-moving topic, Greece, and this was recorded on Friday the 26th of June, so anything could have happened since then. We've arrived at this critical juncture, where basically it's a kind of do-or-die situation. Hello, my name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the weekly economics podcast brought to you by the New Economics Foundation. We've got a rather important podcast for you this week, uh, taking another look at Greece, how we got here and what on earth might happen next. And it's with Greek economist Olivier Valakourias. Another day, another protest. It seems all parts of Athens are taking to the streets. From the anarchists. I said this morning when I came into the building, we were negatively surprised by the steps that the Greek government took last night. The Greek government. No, 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 because this is uh, like committing suicide, you know, both politically and economically. Because, you know, the austerity. Is that the European Central Bank is expected to turn off the emergency liquidity assistance. This is a choice of dignity, hope and democracy. We owe it to our children. The consequences of no deal surely are much worse than the consequences of a deal. Your banks will all go bust and the economy will implode and Europe will be bussing in food aid. If a Eurozone becomes a prison, uh, we have to escape from the prison. We won't stay. So, Olivier, we spoke to James Meadway from the New Economics Foundation about Greece in March. It feels like we're back at the brink again. So can you just give us a recap, uh, if you can, uh, about how we got to this point? Okay, so I'll start from 2010. And in order for you know, our listeners to, un- to understand that, I'm just going to do it you know, through, through a metaphor. So imagine through the 2000s that you, know, you were doing great. You, you had an amazing job. I could see a lot of prospect on, on you. And you know, I was lending you money because that was giving me a very nice interest uh, to multiply my money. Suddenly, one day in 2010, you came to me and told me, well, actually, you know, I can't pay uh, the loan tranche. I can't pay you the interest. Uh, I'm kind of broke. I lost my job uh, or I'm not doing great. And therefore, what I tell you at this point is fine. I'll give you another credit card on which you can indebt yourself in order to pay me the interest over the next four or five years. But I also tell you that as a condition to give you that credit card so you don't default on the money you owe me, you need to fire sale all your belongings. Uh, you need to reduce you know, the money, for example, you're taking from your unemployment benefits, reduce your income and so on. After five years of hardships, where actually you've just replaced one debt with another, with the credit card I gave you, you just come to me and tell me, hey, you know, I can't take this anymore. Okay, this isn't working. And we need to find another approach. You need to support me for for me to find a job, to actually be able to repay you. We need to find an arrangement for the debt you owe me. And basically asking me for for a change of logic. This is what happened with the election of Syriza in February 2015. Syriza came to challenge the logic of a program which basically didn't reduce the debt burden, just replaced it, put through incredible hardship the Greek population, didn't allow it to grow, to restructure its economy, to actually be able to repay. When Syriza came and actually asked for that rearrangement, 
creditors uh, met uh, this new negotiating tactic and 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 these new requests with with a lot of defiance. You know, they weren't happy, and this is how we got here. Uh, creditors don't want to bend. They don't want to acknowledge the program they put in place has failed. The Greek government doesn't want to cross the red lines, which are basically stopping austerity. And we've arrived at this critical juncture where basically it's a kind of do or die situation. Okay, note to self, never borrow money from Olivier. So um, who are Greece's creditors? Just give us give us a bit of the backstory there. What money does Greece owe and to who? So right now, Greece owes around 320 billion euros, okay? Uh, of which around, you know, 20 billion euros are to the European Central Bank, 32 billion, around 32 billion to the IMF, and all the rest of the money uh, is owed to other states of the Eurozone. So basically to taxpayers of other Eurozone countries. Okay, so Greek ministers have said that what those creditors uh, were offering meant humiliation of an entire people. Others were saying that that accepting the terms would amount to suicide. So what were the creditors offering uh, Syriza and why did the Greek government uh, find it so unpalatable? Well, the the creditors basically are offering Syriza a deal which is extremely similar to everything that, you know, has been going on since 2010. So it's a deal, you know, replete with, uh, you know, further austerity measures, pension cuts, VAT increases and so on. Uh, after five years, uh, throughout which the national income was reduced by 25%, pensions by 40-50%, wages by 35%, and so on. So the Greek government is saying no more. In the creditors' proposals, I mean, creditors are demanding you know, the government to put up the energy VAT rate, so you know, VAT rates on, on, on energy consumption, uh, to 23%. This is in a country where there are thousands of people without access to electricity because they cannot afford it. And this is this happens in a country where energy costs for companies are 50% higher than EU average. So this means that, you know, it will not allow Greece to grow, it will not allow Greek companies to export, and therefore we're in a vicious circle. Uh, these are these are very you know contradictory demands and and actually shows that you know the negotiations are not really going on you know happening in good faith. Okay, so what were Syriza's alternative proposals then? They wanted a, a kind of comprehensive agreement. Was it not in the creditors' interest to offer them one? Well, Syriza offered the plan which basically included a lot of of uh, reforms and actually they they made huge concessions. If you imagine that you know they agreed to push further some privatizations and so on, they actually made a lot of steps to meet the creditors' demands uh, on certain aspects. The only thing Syriza said, you know, is properly a red line, is the, the, the question of the continuation of austerity, right? So they said, fine, we can reform, we can agree on some of your reforms. We commit to tackle tax evasion, to expand the tax base, and so on and so forth. But we're not going to continue with the same policy of slashing wages, slashing pensions, increase regressive taxation as a VAT, uh, and so on. Now, isn't it in the creditor's interest? Well, it depends how you define interest in this case, right? So if we think about it you know, in, in a simple way, of course, creditor's interests are for Greece to grow 
so that it can repay its debts. There's no way Greece will repay debts if it doesn't grow. So, you know, there is a kind of, you know, win-win scenario where, you know, for example, you have a moratorium of debt repayments, they leave Greece alone a bit, stop imposing further austerity cuts, you have more investment in the economy, Greece can grow, and therefore creditors get their money back. But this is one, one side of the story, right? There are also political interests. So basically, you know, the question of, of Syriza can create a political moral hazard for Europe, at least from their standpoint. It may encourage uh, other political parties in the periphery to actually challenge uh, austerity. And therefore, you know, for them, it's a kind of uh, casus belli, you know, to, to challenge austerity. Okay, it's, I mean, it's been a whistle-stop tour, but, um, you know, it, it's crunch week for Greece. What are the different scenarios that we're looking at um, in terms of what the um, creditors are looking for, what the Greek people are looking for, what the Greek government is looking for? Can you just give us some idea of where all this is going? Well, the, 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 the optimistic scenario, uh, the first scenario is basically, you know, that there is an agreement. Now, this agreement may mean two things, right? So it may mean that creditors give in some of their demands and Syriza can claim some form of victory in the sense of, you know, halting some austerity measures, or it can be a complete capitulation of Syriza as a political party, which may trigger other economic developments as well. So that's scenario number one. Scenario number two, is that they don't reach an agreement, Syriza doesn't capitulate, creditors don't give in to their demands. And in that case, uh, you have the following developments which may take place. So you could have uh, an immediate uh, run on banks, and then on the 30th, okay, when the current program expires, uh, the ECB may choose to actually stop supporting the Greek banks. So the Greek banks right now are basically staying alive because, you know, the European Central Bank is providing emergency liquidity assistance, so emergency funds, because, you know, they don't have enough money in their coffers to actually operate in Greece. And, and therefore, you know, if there isn't, if Greece is, isn't part of any program, uh, in essence, you know, the most likely scenario is that the ECB may cut off this funding, which means that the financial system will collapse in Greece and the government will immediately have, you know, to impose capital controls, uh, to nationalize the Bank of Greece, print money, a new currency, uh, to recapitalize a nationalized banking system and so on. So basically we're talking about an exit from the Eurozone. I think these are the main two scenarios with the first scenario having two sub-scenarios which are creditors give in or Syriza capitulates. Okay, and what do you think the people of Greece are, are, are thinking? We've seen lots and lots of people on the streets um, who don't want to leave Europe. Um, what, what's the kind of feeling there? Well, it's you see, I think the Greek society is starting to get very polarized on this issue. It's true that most people uh, state that they would like to stay in the Eurozone. But on the other hand, they also state that they don't want to hear about further pension cuts. They don't want to hear about more VAT increases. They don't want to hear about more austerity. So the question there, and this is something we don't actually know, and we could only know through a referendum, is what is the hierarchy? of these preferences. This is far from clear. And what we tend to see in, in all the, the, the polls that are being done and opin the opinion polls um, is that there is a very big class divide. People who have savings, 
right, are more prone to want to stay in the Eurozone because evidently, you know, an exit would be very problematic. Pensioners who depend on, you know, their savings accumulated through their lifetime are also very reluctant to get out of the Eurozone. Younger people and working class people, on the other hand, have absolutely nothing to lose from it in the sense that, you know, they don't have the savings, they, they don't have euros anyway in their pockets. Uh, they're unemployed, they have no prospects. And therefore, for them, the idea of getting out of the Eurozone may offer some prospects. Not saying it will, I'm saying that's how they perceive it. So I think we really have a clash emerging within Greek society about these two things. The Greek elite, economic elite, definitely wants to stay in the Euro. And the explanation is very simple. You know, it can buy Western consumer goods more easily. It can invest in London properties more easily. It can send its kids to study in the, in the US universities more easily and so on. But, you know... You can see the kind of polarizations which are at play uh, on this issue. Goodness me. Well, uh, I mean, this certainly isn't the end of the story and it's definitely not for me to suggest what is going to happen next week. Greater minds are at work. If Angela Merkel wasn't involved in all this, I'd suggest it was just willy-waving. But um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, people's lives depend on it, so I would never say that. <laughs> Olivier, thank you so much for lending your expertise to this very tough issue. Thank you, thank you. Music for the Weekly Economics Podcast is provided by Poddington Bear. We'll be back next week picking up where we left off on the mini-series about neoliberalism. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.